0: Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on the PCICS podcast, the official podcast of the Pediatric Cardiac Intensive Care Society. My name is Sadie Rodriguez, and I'm a pediatric cardiac intensivist at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta and a member of the PCICS podcasting committee. Today, I have the unique opportunity to speak with Dr. Krishna Kumar, a professor and head of department of the Pediatric Cardiology Department at the Amitra Institute of Medical Sciences in Cochin, Kerala, India. Under his leadership, the Pediatric Heart Program was awarded the BMJ Award for Quality Improvement for delivering outstanding clinical outcomes and has trained a substantial proportion of the national workforce in pediatric cardiology. Our podcast today is going to focus on Dr. Kumar's chief research interests as they relate to epidemiology of pediatric heart disease in the developing world and the developing cost-effective clinical strategy for pediatric care in low-resource environments. He presented his work entitled Provision of Cardiac Critical Care to a Population of Children in a Resource-Constrained Setting at the Joint Pediatric Critical Care International Meeting in London in December of 2019. This meeting was a joint endeavor of PCICS, the Pediatric Intensive Care Society of the UK, and the European Conference on Pediatric and Neonatal Cardiac Intensive Care. Thank you so much, Dr. Kumar, for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for your enriching presentation this morning. And for everyone who couldn't make it, could you please summarize a bit of your journey and your unique challenges and how you've overcome them?
1: Thank you for this opportunity. And I know... There are uh, quite a few who were not able to attend this wonderful meeting. I have to say I learned a lot from the speakers that preceded mine, and and that alone made the whole travel worthwhile. About my presentation was really a story that spans close to a little over tw- two decades. I trained in the United States at Boston Children's Hospital. I was there between 94 to 96, and I went there almost... Entirely motivated by the fact that there was no pediatric cardiac care worth its name in my country at that time. We had very few centers that were attempting to take care of babies. And around the time I left, I think less than 1% of children in our country had access to care, particularly infant and newborn heart surgery. So my goal was to get trained and come back and try and see if I can establish at least one unit that delivered care that was comparable to Western standards. And I went with that in mind. And I'm actually not a pediatrician, I'm an adult cardiologist. And I was motivated to change my career course only because uh, the plight of children in our country was unimaginably miserable when it came to management of heart disease. So with this, I trained at Boston Children's Hospital and spent a substantial part of my training in pediatric cardiac intensive care. And my goal was to understand how these systems work so effectively in the Western world, and then try and see if I can adapt within my environment with our limited resources, and produce something that would make a difference. So I had this focus throughout my two years, and I went back in 1996, and eventually set up this center in 1998. And I immediately understood that the first thing I had to do was to fix the ICU. and. In the ICU, the first thing I had to fix was nursing. So I asked two of our charge nurses in Boston to make a trip to India within a few months of my starting the center and train our nurses. The effect was quite dramatic because up until then, we were, our results were completely unacceptable. So they came in and set up some basic systems, which allowed us then to try and do infant and newborn heart surgeries with a reasonably, predictably good outcome. Up until then, we didn't have good results. And then I understood that we just have to keep working on nursing substantially. I did that. Additionally, I also partnered with the intensivists at Boston, and one of them made several trips to India. Dr. Steve Roth, who's the chief at Stanford, and over a period of time, we were able to establish some good systems within our ICU. Of course, it's been a journey that I don't think is anywhere close to culmination. We still are far away from where we would be. We would like to be. And uh, over a period of time, I kept looking at ways to train various. Components of intensive care bring in a variety of systems that include infection control, uh, participation in global databases, formal QI strategies, and a host of other things that eventually has started to yield some gratifying results. So we started off with results that were not something that one could be proud of and that were modest. And eventually, in the last couple of years, we can say we have results that match Western standards. And this has been a journey that is not ending because we have our challenges. And every time we achieve some level of excellence, there is a setback that takes us back. And then we have to correct ourselves. So this has sort of been the story over the last 20 years.
0: That is a humbling and powerful story. Thank you for your work and your service. Of all of those unique barriers and challenges that you were just describing, what is the thing that you're most proud of that you were able to overcome?
1: Pride isn't a good thing, really. (laughs) So anything that I've sort of felt proud of, I have then even quite quickly have to sort of eat my words and be humbled. So I have to say, yes, I would use a different word. I would say satisfied, not proud, but I'm satisfied somewhat about the fact that I could create a team effort in my country, in my unit. Something that isn't easy to come by in our part of the world. What I love about my own program is that we have a very very cohesive team and not many people with big egos in fact nobody we're also not within silos so i can do intensive care the intensivist can also double up as an anesthesiologist and do tees in the or for instance so we do a lot of cross-speciality care and work together as a team each with our own areas of niche expertise but recognizing and respecting the other persons so that's what has worked essentially and to create that I can't say I created it, that happened. I was a part of it. I perhaps facilitated it to some extent, but that's been the biggest takeaway.
0: I think it also came across when you were speaking, how striking that has been, the collaboration and the teamwork and the joint effort what would you want to share across providers from around the world, different cultures, different backgrounds, different work environments, if you could share a universal message from the lessons that you've learned in your life work?
1: I think the the universal messages are It's important to acknowledge your shortcomings and be very open and willing and create a system that makes it all very transparent. So your results should be very visible to you, to everybody around you, and this whole culture of transparency and openness then translates into improvement. Without that, you can't get better. So that's what we've achieved in our own program. We are all very, very aware of where we stand and because our results are on a web-based platform for us to see all the time there's a culture of openness which i think if you get that then everything else will follow you'll find ways to, to get better
0: that's amazing if you had a magic wand and could make any change happen what would you wish for
1: that every child in this world has access to basic congenital heart surgery for example i would just say every child with a large vst gets timely correction if we can have that happen it would automatically translate into millions of lives saved the number of babies with large vsds that simple preventable congenital heart diseases that are dying is is something that's not understood universally it's not surfaced in the consciousness Generally, people think of child health in terms of very readily preventable conditions like pneumonias and diarrheas, and that's pretty much gone away in many parts of the world. But children now are dying from simple congenital heart diseases that can be fixed and without too much resources. So for a start, the magic wand can hopefully just accomplish or facilitate a situation by which institutions are created to be able to take care of basic infant congenital heart disease. That would be a very good place to start.
0: Yeah. I didn't realize until your talk how drastically, over the last decade or two, the under five mortality has improved. And as you're saying, congenital heart disease has risen to the surface. You know, as our world becomes smaller and more interconnected and global, why is this topic important for all of us to be aware of and to talk about?
1: Well, I think uh, reducing child mortality is a global mission. We have various numbers and goals that been set globally, none of those you know, goals really take into consideration the fact that there's a large number of diseases that we are not thinking about. And I think congenital heart disease has reached a point where it needs to now be addressed on a global scale.
0: As far as reaching it on a global scale, the future of this area, do you feel that it's just a matter of time for technology to catch up Or do you feel that this is more of an open invitation for people to have creative solutions and more cost-effective care and more resourceful quality improvement processes?
1: I think the latter is probably more true. You need cost-effective care, but actually at the very core, you need a will, a collective will, to reach out to the poorest. Unless that mindset change happens, other things won't happen. Because even now, healthcare that needs more than the usual resources, In most of the world is denied to the poorest you know the world if you look at big cities of the world like let's take Bombay or Mumbai for instance they're all microcosms of the globalized world within each of those cities is a globalized world you have the haves and the have-nots and the same phenomenon that you see between geographic divisions the Western world and the poorer parts of the world happens in this much smaller stage and so There has to be a complete different thinking about how we want to take care of children of the world, not just lip service, but doing something to make sure that the poorest have access. And it's not difficult. It's not difficult to deliver care. And we've shown it in our part of the world, we've shown it in Kerala, that if there is collective will, if there is will from the government, if there is good advocacy, you can change the outlook for the average child with congenital heart disease. Today, we can say with fair level of certainty that every child with a large VSD gets timely repair in our state, has access to free, paid by the government, care of a reasonably high quality with good expectations. So that can be done globally. It just needs a tremendous amount of advocacy, collective will, change in health systems, mindset change uh, on the part of everyone.
0: Congratulations, that's amazing. What would you tell other people in low and middle income countries or other parts of the world, high income countries that face similar challenges that are trying to get momentum and trying to initiate change and advocacy? What would be your biggest piece of advice to help them get going?
1: It's a hard question to answer. I'm not so sure if I'm the right person to give advice. I can only share my stories and uh, we have a model that has worked it was thought to be impossible 20 years ago nobody would have believed that we could actually make such a dramatic change from having a situation where there's just five percent of children having access to care to about 70 80 percent now how did that change happen it's a lot of pieces but i would just state that again you have to have the deep-rooted desire to make a difference to the poorest child and everything else follows.
0: Yeah, a lot of teamwork, a lot of advocacy. Yes, the
1: teamwork is important because I uh, I think that's a cultural change that has to come in our part of the world. We have to break all the hierarchical structures and completely get down to creating a different way of looking after children and keep the nurse, the empowered nurse, at the very center of the whole endeavor. Unless we do that, we're not gonna make this sustainable.
0: I love the part that you spoke about how certain knowledge can only come from your work and the beautiful position that you're in to give us that. For example, you were speaking about undernutrition in the setting of congenital heart disease and being repaired. Can you speak a little bit more about the strengths?
1: We have a remarkable opportunity in our part of the world in that we have uh, numbers. So we can generate data quickly and powerfully. So that's our strength. The weakness, of course, is the fact that we don't have time doing research needs a lot more time and that's why these powerful platforms have a big role. Global platform of IQIC has the power to generate a large amount of data very quickly so that's something that's very exciting actually. There are many questions that that can be addressed. One of them of course was nutrition but the other real question is pulmonary vascular disease and that question answers to those questions would only come from our part of the world now. We have to be really mindful of the The fact that we are in a position to do that, and we shouldn't lose sight of the opportunity to answer some fantastic research questions using our data. We're trying to do that. Definitely, collaborations would allow more questions to be generated, but also, you know, it'll help us to do more effective research. And that's very exciting.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Kumar, for speaking to us today about providing cardiac critical care to children in resource-constrained settings. To all of our listeners, thank you for listening to the PCICS podcast. Please don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and visit our website, PCICS.org, where you can find more information about how to become a member and enjoy updated information on educational resources, meetings, job listings, and so much more. The song I Don't Know by Grapes was used under Creative Commons 3.0 attribution license.